Ooh, is that music creepy. Spoilers ahead for the movie Sinister from 2012. Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I am so lucky. I am joined by a really awesome guy named Jasher. Hello, Jasher. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing really, really good. It's, it's awesome to be here. Massive fan of the podcast, so it's kind of surreal to be on. Oh, th- thank you so much for, for the kind words. Uh, would you please uh, introduce yourself and tell the kind folks at home... Uh, you know, where you're calling from about all of you have so many different podcasts, man. I know it's, it's too many, dude, but yeah, I'm, I'm Jason Drake. I'm here in New Zealand. That's cool to be able to record remotely, but I do a podcast called Podzilla with, with my brother, where we talk about Godzilla movies. I have another one called Collectania of Everything with a friend of mine, Hamish. We just talk about movies, games, hobbies, but yeah, I'm a massive film fan and I love horror movies. I don't really have many people here or in my friends group that are kind of as into them as I am. So this, I get is, the feeling. this is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can relate to that. A lot of my friends, IRL, uh, <laughs> the, the friends yep. I've made through podcasting, of course, I love horror movies, but uh, the, the ones that I have uh, before I got into podcasting are, aren't really too much into horror. So it's really fun to connect and meet with people like you who I are know. really into horror. And your podcast, uh, I always struggle with saying, what's it a collection of Collectania of everything. Collectania is like an archaic word for collection. We thought it sounded cool, but it is a bit tricky. Uh, and I just struggle with words in general because I'm a numbskull. <laughs> but uh, I have listened to it. I do really, really enjoy it. And I think one of the things no, thanks, that I loved listening to is that you and I are on very similar wavelengths in terms of things that we enjoyed out of movies and like our tastes and stuff. It's like, man, I got to get this guy on the show. There uh, we go. No, so, that's awesome. So, uh, welcome to the show, Jasher, um, and of course, all, all of his links will be in the show notes in case people are curious, but today, Jasher has so kindly agreed to discuss the 2012 horror movie, Sinister. Uh, that is what we will be discussing today, and Sinister is a movie that I have, one, been dying to talk about, just because I've, I, I, I've kind of, like, have, like, this amnesia for some reason of, like, the 2010 era of like horror movies where we got like insidious sinister i feel like there was still like paranormal activity movies going around then too and this was like a very fun time for horror because this is when things were horror movies were kind of becoming a little bit more dramatic and serious and very dark tonally and sinister i think is kind of the apex of all of that and also i wanted to do this as my coming back party because this this is a movie about people who move into a new house, and that's <laughs> the what the inciting event of terrible things that happen to them. And I just moved into a house, so I figured let's let's do it, let's do it, man. Let's talk about sinister since I just moved. <laughs> I realized that I realized that while I was watching, I was like, man, this is this is pretty funny that we're doing you're doing this one, and this <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's funny. So I um so my history with this movie is that I remember so I was I believe a fresh yeah I was a freshman in college. When this came out in the theaters and me and my roommates saw the trailers like this looks fucking terrifying and I didn't see it in theaters because I'm a chicken Uh, but I did (laughs) I did rent it off Redbox and I I just remember Bagul scared the crap out of me from the trailers Um, it just really piqued my interest but in like a very like morbid way of course because this is like I said a very dark movie tonally Um, and I watched it probably two or three times when it was available on DVD at first and kind of forgot about it until recently. And I watched it at home on a projector that I have, which adds so much to the movie uh, watching exper- experience of it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But uh, Jasher, what is, what is your history with Sinister? Well, I actually like, I didn't, I didn't watch it for ages and i i'd always heard of it um but never given it a go i think the first time i actually watched it was last year so real recently oh, really and it was after like hearing everything online there was all the chatter about um i think someone ranked all the scariest horror movies in order of like um people's heart rate when watching them there was like a ranking done yeah and sinister was at the top after hearing that i was like man i, I gotta <laughs> get around to watching this i'm gonna give it a go and it's pretty creepy. It's pretty good. And I, and I rewatched it again last night before before recording this. But 
I like it. It is, as you, as you said, it's very, like, it's very dark. I, it, very, like, it's a bit, probably not great to say it, but sinister, um, <laughs> just in its tone compared to other things I've seen. It's... Yeah, there, there's something, um, spoilers, by the way, for the whole this whole conversation if people haven't yeah, seen yeah. this movie but there's th- this movie is about families being murdered and being targeted and um it, ethan hawk's character um ellison discovers the super eight films and there's just something so unsettling about one there's families being targeted as you know the victims of this because you know normally yeah. when, when we watch say like a slasher movie um it's kind of just like dipshit high school teens or yeah, young totally. adults like people that we don't like i don't know is you're you're not you're not always feeling sad for those deaths yeah you know like, that, like disconnect right yeah yeah exactly but there's something again as as the movie kind of sinister and very just unsettling about a family being murdered and this movie doesn't really hold hold back a lot of punches with that because there, something I find super interesting is that there's no opening credits. It, it just, you know, we get like the, the Blumhouse, yeah. like, like production little logo video, but then it like, it just automatically starts with the, the, the hanging, the, the, the family yeah, being hung. Super 8 film. It's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And it's like, it, it looks like it's very well done. The mm-hmm. stunt work and everything. I heard that like the stunt of the family hanging on the tree went bad when it, when they filmed it and stuff. They actually, actually started getting strangled or hugged yeah the i watched the part of the 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 director's commentary and they said that the stunt coordinator that they originally had was bad and he dropped the ball on that stunt and they actually started to choke during that and so they had to stop production for the day and they fired that uh stunt coordinator Um, that's crazy eh? but it does seem like you can't see any special effects and it just looks really really good and really real yeah and that's something that uh so scott dickerson was the director of this movie and also co-writer and that was something that he was talking about in the commentary was that they relied heavily on practical effects that there weren't really that many special effects um the super eight films were real super eight films the effects were i mean like the the stunts of the deaths i mean were done practically like the hangings people actually did get hang uh Mm -hmm. you know it quote actually um yeah, the, yeah. The, the the swimming pool people were actually duct taped to the chairs and dragged in under and they actually wow. had a stunt man as bagul at the bottom of the pool to look up at the camera like That's it was crazy so I, I i really appreciate all of that and it was just really cool to hear about that so i guess i'll use that as a segue to get into the, the, the playmakers and the credentials of this movie so Sinister came out in 2012 and was directed by Scott Dickerson, who also directed and co-wrote The Exorcism of Emily Rose and Doctor Strange from 2016. This was written by Scott Dickerson and C. Robert Cargill. Cargill also helped him write Doctor Strange and I believe Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, it was actually his co-writer, uh, C. Robert Cargill, who came up with the idea of Sinister. He he watched the movie The Ring, the the American remake uh from oh, yes, yeah, yeah. He he watched The Ring and he had a nightmare from watching The Ring and his nightmare was he discovered this box of Super 8 films that was the the the, the family being hung. That was his nightmare. And so uh-huh. from that he him and Scott Dickerson just you know wrote this script together based off of that nightmare he got from watching the the ring so we have to thank the ring for, for yeah for sinister that's crazy that's that's awesome it, it's also really funny because i think that's a a very appropriate source material of inspiration because again that movie is about found footage too yeah yeah right um the music was composed by Christopher Young, and that's something I always love to point out when the music is done super well. That's one it's, of my. It was a standout during this. Like I, I noted it down that it was probably it was just so effective. It was. It's so effective. It it's it it like really. It it builds the scenes. You know, it really yeah. builds the suspense and the creepiness because, it's not like, um, orchestral. I just butchered that word. It's not. It, it, it's it's very much like a digital age type of music yeah. but it, it's kind of i like it because i think in like this meta sense it kind of gives this like i don't know infinity presence of the ghoul 
because he's present in like these super eight films from the sixties, but the music that is cueing him is like very much of the present Modern day. Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like he exists in media from all sorts of time ranges and decades. I just, and it works so well. Cause it's like you're yeah. watching a super eight film, but the digital music doesn't mesh with it. And it just makes you feel unsettled. So good. I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify just to get into the mood for this conversation <laughs> all week. And it's, it's given me a complex about my house, not going to lie. Because every time I look out the window, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Make sure you don't hold up any, like, images of Bagul and take them away. Or yeah. Who knows yeah. what could happen. <laughs> so uh, Christopher Young was the composer for this movie, as I said. And I also want to point out, he has quite the resume in horror movies. So Christopher Young has composed the music for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Hellraiser, Urban Legend, the Grudge, the remake of Pet Cemetery, Tales from the Hood, and The Exorcism of Emily Rose, among many, many, many Flat. other movies. So this dude is awesome. And yeah. Scott Dickerson in the commentary said that uh, this specific track of like how like digital it was, it was not. That's not his like. Uh, that's not his mo. You know he. You know he mm. does stuff with like you know bands and orchestras and things like that. So I, I find that so impressive that he was able to pivot and transition like that for and give us such a kick-ass creepy score it's because very unique and it's very memorable as well and it's just it's just just creepy and it's not like anything you've heard before and when it the the cues when it's happening it it pops up at the times that you wouldn't expect it to like you said when the super 8 films are rolling this music will also start Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of gives it this otherworldly uh feeling this this just something strange is going on then it starts to get in the credits and this is <laughs> the, the places that they choose to play this track so good i love that when we have ellison is the quick montage of him putting together the projector and everything because yeah, again yeah it's so ominous it's just like all he's doing is you know mechanically putting this projector together but it's just like why is that cueing this super creepy music and it's just I like know. it's coming it's coming right for you i love it um <laughs> This movie stars Ethan Hawke, Juliet Rylance, James Ranson, Fred Thompson, Michael Hall D'Andrio, Claire Foley, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Nicholas King as Bagul. Um, I, I do love the Vincent D'Onofrio cameo in this movie. Yeah, uh, I, I like I, him as I, I love him as an actor, and just to see him pop up as a few. <sighs> he wasn't in it for long, but it was memorable. And again, that was a real Skype call that they did. So <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, That's he great. was. He was just, of course, like in another room doing that. But um, it, I want to point out that the, it, to make people feel better, if you're having a lot of anxiety after watching this movie, because you know how mm. like you, I don't know if you do this, but if a movie really chills me to the bone i will want to watch how it was made just to you know peel back the curtains a little bit just go okay okay it's not real it's not real it's not real i'm 100 uh, with you yeah <laughs> don't last night i finished it at like one in the morning and i was like okay, oh my god need to look at some videos and <laughs> read some stuff up about it uh so nicholas king who played bagul if people uh want to feel a little bit better about him he is credited as skater wannabe from the disney movie max keeble's big move from i think like 2003 <laughs> so that's uh, great so so bagul was in max keeble's big move i just wanted to i think that was a pretty fun thing to do but uh and the actor of bagul nicholas king he is a stunt performer he's he's done stunt work for paranormal activity three um the budget for this movie was actually very low. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but I guess I shouldn't be considering it was one location. But the yeah. budget for Sinister was only $3 million. And it wow. made $18 million its opening weekend and grossed over $82 million worldwide in the box office. Wow. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and again, I felt like that they did such a good job with such a low budget. Um, the, the house that they shot this, so everything was shot in the house, um, including the, the hanging scene was shot in the backyard. The rest yeah. of the Super 8s were filmed in L.A., but the, the only thing that was a set was the attic. Um, and, oh, true. That makes heaps of, heaps of sense. Yeah, I mean, they said that the house itself did have an attic, but just logistically, it just didn't make sense to bring everybody, all the equipment up there to do all that shooting. It just spatially didn't make sense, so that was a soundstage. But uh, that's... That's kind of you know leading me to something that I love about this movie, and just I don't know why this is a kind of like a favorite of mine. I love movies that take place in a centralized location, 
and yeah. most of this movie all takes place within the house, and I just love that. And we're stuck with Ellison, Ethan Hawke, throughout this whole movie. That's like one of my favorite things uh, about this. Uh, I just, I just love that we're stuck in the house the whole time. Yeah, because it's kind of like a mixture of a lot of different uh, genres or movies I like. Because you have got that. It is a haunted house movie, right? The, at the roots of it, you don't expect it going in. You don't think it's going to be with the mixture of the snuff film footage mm-hmm. and then uh, them kind of like outside talking to people. But it very much becomes this very enclosed, almost like reminiscent of The Shining in a way of a washed up writer just kind of going crazy bit by bit, which oh, I, I that's really love. That's a really good point, Jasher. And it's kind of because they do they move house at the end, but then again, it's kind of like going from. A smaller haunted house to a bigger haunted house, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It's kind of just like switching haunted houses. Um, oh god, I love that that like comparison you made between this and The Shining. That's really good. And I, I you know, obviously, the big difference is that we don't really see Ethan Hawke. He doesn't really go deranged in this, but yeah, uh, he yeah. he does keep pushing boundaries and stuff in this movie, which yeah, is kind of like his, totally. his downfall. Something that I wanted to kind of point out or just kind of discuss was that um, something I love is, of course, like the Super 8 films were a huge thing about this. And something I found really interesting is that, like, kind of like the, I don't want to say blueprint, but like tropes that you see in horrors and, you know, slashers. And one of them that we get in this movie is the Harbinger. We get the Harbinger with the sheriff telling them, you, my, my suggestion, you pack up and go back to where you came from. Um, and then I love that we get, so I love like, you know, the, the killer POV is, I don't know if that's a trope necessarily, but that is something that we often see in movies. Um, you know, think, yeah. you know, Halloween uh, at the beginning of, of that movie. Um, and so yeah, something- I watched, um, one called maniac recently as well, which, uh, was very much the same thing. Like it, it, it switches between POV shots and, uh, just shots of you kind of being third person, but. It's very, very interesting to have them both together in one film as kind of... Because this isn't really like a found footage film, right? But it does have those segments to it. It's a very clever mix of it and a clever way to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, definitely want to get into the found footage uh, yeah, element yeah. of this, absolutely. But uh, I, I guess kind of just add, just kind of getting to that before we get into the uh, subgenre categorization is that yep. the, something that's like very clever... There's a great, there's a great deal of restraint on the character of Bagul, and yeah. by that I mean he he's a very scary character. I think I mean like you know design wise he is terrifying, but mm-hmm. there's so much restraint because he's not in the movie that much. Um, and hardly at all, right? Like, yeah, a couple couple shots, um, blurry as they may be, and then a jump scare. A couple. Oh, jump oh my gosh! Yeah, this movie. Re- 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 leans heavily on jump scares we'll get to that yeah. but uh yeah, yeah. yeah that's something that i found really interesting was that the incredible amount of restraint on that character because he is so terrifying you know just his presence absolutely they didn't like lean into that it was more just like we're going to build up a bunch of dread and make you think he's hiding behind every corner when he yeah. is hiding behind every fifth corner you know um yeah, yeah. and that's something i felt like the super eight films kind of su- that what they substituted that with is that we we are literally seeing the POV of the killer through the Super 8 films. Um, yeah. I thought that was so clever and also kind of very, you were assuming you're, you're getting the POV of Bagul. And like, I don't know, I just, I love that kind of, I don't know, element that they had in this for him. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it as well. And I guess it does, although it does start off with that clip of the tree, when he does discover the box and discover the reels later on and starts watching them, it kind of tricks you again because at the start you're just seeing like family hanging out, having a picnic, spending time together before it then takes a drastic turn for the opposite. But <laughs> it, it does kind of play with you. Oh, is this Bagul? Is it um, just home videos? And then at the end, ultimately, it's the kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kids. And Scott Dickerson on the commentary kind of he I, something I never picked up on was that he left in kind of like these clues as so you could pick up that it was the kids doing oh wow the the, the like the the super eight uh, filming so whenever you don't see a kid that like went missing whenever you don't see the kid in the shot it the, the camera's active it's moving it's obviously being held by someone 
but whenever it's when the kid is in the shot you know it's a it's obviously stationary on a tripod and there were some points where it transitioned real smoothly from moving to it was stationary and you see the kid run on run into frame and that was like his clue that like the kids are the ones that are holding the camera and that's why it's steady when they're in the shot but it's like freehand when they're not in the shot so that was like his clue which i never That's picked so up clever. On. never picked yeah, up I, on I, I, I didn't pick up on it either even the second time around knowing it was the kids that's i love it when directors do stuff like that mm-hmm. and actually make it um make a lot of sense and hide these little hints and clues it's great i, I feel like we're watching it now just to pick up on some of those things I, um, I, I'm always a bit hesitant going into movies that I know have a lot of jump scares in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this very much is kind of, uh, this is the go-to when people talk about jump scares in films or a film with a lot of them. And I, I think that they're actually quite well done. A lot of them are. Um, a lot of them you don't see coming in. A lot of them there's, I, I guess, there's no jump scares, especially early on when you get Allison just walking through the house looking for things with his baseball bat or just um, <laughs> trying to figure out what sounds are. There's just a lot of tension that it doesn't actually um, pay off when you think it will. So it just it does manage to keep this really, really kind of palpable. You can really feel this tension throughout the whole film, even when things aren't really happening so much, which I like. And I'm not, I don't find a lot of horror films do that for me, um, whereas this one did. And it's just, I mean, the Super 8 films creep me out. They're creepy as hell, and the music's just great. Mm-hmm. Um, characterizations i really am a massive fan of deputy so-and-so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i really like his character um and again vincent um d'onofrio uh playing the like i guess it's another horror trope right you get the cult um professionals that you consult with them on what the what the lore of this creature might be or something but it was done again another clever way like over zoom yeah 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 right yeah yeah vincent d'onofrio he kind of plays like that uh kind of like witch doctor like vibe kind of you know like oh this is what's going on and especially since the subject matter is him talking about the occult tell me about the the one in sacramento it's a symbol uh, associated with the worship of a pagan deity a deity what kind of deity Uh, a a very obscure one dating back to babylonian times named bagul the eater of children did you say eater yes uh, of of children which again i felt like that this movie had a lot of restraint too because if they wanted to they could have gone super hard or heavy into like the occult stuff and it's like because everybody's kind of scared of that you know everybody kind of buys into the satanic panic sometimes you know yeah um so i find that really kind of interesting that um that you know they they didn't lean on that as much it does have a lot of restraint i mean totally everything you're saying like Bagul again isn't shown too much even when you think he will be mm-hmm. um and it doesn't go a lot into the law you see i guess some of those um the sigils of Bagul, and i guess at the end you get a couple of photos of uh that that vincent d'onofrio's character sends through to allison and it's very i don't know there's just i guess the fear of the unknown's a big thing right so it's kind of like we don't some movies show too much and make you learn too much about this this creature or the villain and this one you don't know anything so you're right. just in, as in the dark as the character is kind of as ellison's piecing things together you as the viewer are as well which uh, it creates a lot of buy-in for you watching the movie just try to learn more about it and i, I loved it oh, awesome yeah and that's something else about like vincent d'onofrio I, I find it so funny that we keep going back to him yeah i know uh, <laughs> is that like again we're stuck in the house because like he doesn't like go to the university and have like a talk with him it's like yeah. he calls into his house and i guess there's also something way more scary about like learning about that very uh, bad information while you're still yeah. in the environment that it's happening still in. alone yeah yeah uh, it's in i don't know there's just so much to like about this movie um but i am very excited to talk about the subgenre categorization uh, do you want to get into that conversation yeah totally yeah all right well i mean i've already mentioned a couple of them but it was very much kind of your haunted house film even though it did um change things up a bit um i also 
found footage, even though it's not your classic type. And I'm, I'm a massive found footage fan, especially when it's done very well. But no, I'm a sucker for the not so well done ones anyway. <laughs> but this one, uh, just how it meshed the two together, very unique for a horror film. Um, it also kind of had your, I, I don't know if there's like a subgenre specifically for it, but almost like this crime movie feel when it's uh, someone kind of ha- trying to hunt down a serial killer or putting all the mystery and clues together. Um, which, again, very unique. I'm saying that word too much about this movie, but it, it is just, it, it does it in a fresh um, and very scary way. Yeah, that's a, I mean, yeah, I was kind of getting all the same things. Like, it's kind of like this supernatural paranormal movie that's a found footage movie, like a very literal found footage yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and the there's kind of, you you know, like the tones of true crime, mystery, thriller. Um, I love it because I, I like going in, when I first thought of, okay, I want to talk about this, this was like the the section or the segment of the show I was most excited to talk about because I, I feel like that, again, this is where like I feel like a lot of like the restraint is coming in because like they said, okay, let's take a Haunted House movie but tone it down to like a four and crank up like the mystery and the paranormal like the paranormal stuff, but it's separate from the house. Like you're going into it thinking yeah. it's a Haunted House movie, but it's really not. And That's an awesome way to describe it because it's exactly that. They kind of just play with your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially since the the whole opening of the movie is them moving in, which is how most yeah. you know haunted house yeah, movies yeah. begin, right? And some, God, it's just so good, and I love that. I was I I, I rewatched like the first uh, half of the movie before our talk, and something that I picked up on was the first shot that we get of Ellison is you know so we we open up on the house and he's in the moving truck and we see him slide a box to the front and it says office and i just i just thought i saw that as such like a you know a foreshadowing of like what will yeah. be his downfall is his work um which i mean there's and that's it's the first thing like he brings in as well right like his wife actually pulls up on it and it's like hey you've got you've got more hands than you can carry more stuff than you're carrying just one small box but he's kind of putting that first right yeah or everything else yeah exactly and so it's just i don't know i just love how it, it, it like you say it kind of plays with you i also like you know in haunted house movies at least the ones i've seen there aren't really exactly that many deaths in those like in the conjuring there's yeah. not you know there's no deaths in it but like this one is just like, you know, we want to do a haunted house movie, but how can we get like it to also be like a very messed up slasher movie and just yeah. show you a bunch of deaths. And the, the Super 8 film uh, plays into that too, which makes me want to talk about how the the found footage aspect of this movie, because uh, it is a very literal found footage movie. And I feel mm-hmm. like that the, the subgenre of found footage has been very fluid and kind of evolving the past I say 10, 15 years. Um, yeah. So like, would you like say that this belongs in like the same umbrella as like other, what we think of our found footage movies like Blair, Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity? Well, it's, it's interesting one, eh? Cause I, I don't know. I oh, know you have seen, it. I think you did an episode on the host, right? Or host. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very much kind of, I mean, with that movie, you're watching the screen. And you as the viewer are watching the story take place on the screen. Whereas in this one, you're sure you're watching this found footage. You're kind of trying to piece together of the story and what's happening there. But then there's also that added layer of you're watching someone else react and watch to this footage, trying to piece out what's happening in it. So I I, I don't know. It's, It's just very... I haven't seen anything else like it. Like, it's just got you removed that extra little step and also brought someone along with how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it does. It's a very, I think it is just a very clever found footage movie. And again, very literal, um, whereas a lot of other things, you're not really finding the footage. Found footage to me is like such a bigger umbrella because like, like you mentioned with host, that's like a stylized technique. Oh, yeah. I guess found footage is like a stylized technique anyways. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's so, so like, okay, so you have movies like Permanent Activity, Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity that are like our characters are and our protagonists are like filming themselves and we're seeing bad things happen to them. Mm. Um, and then you get things like this where our characters are finding lost footage and literally finding found footage. Yeah. And it's like like a haunted VHS or something like that. So we have like Sinister, Ring, and 
this movie that's on Shutter called Warning Do Not Play, which is a I believe a Korean horror movie. Um, which is very good. I really meant to check it out. Yeah. I, I actually recommend it. I've heard that like in terms of like Korean horror movies, it's very run of the mill, but I'm not verse well versed in Korean horror yeah, movies, so yeah. I thought it was really good. Um but uh and again that oh, that one is about a a very that one's about like this legend of a movie that was so scary people die after they watch it and it was directed by a ghost and that's why that, that was like the legend ah, so this this woman is trying totally. to track down that movie and it's like a haunted movie um yeah. but in same thing here these are like haunted super eight films and i don't know i, I just i kind of just like rack i just like rack my brain around that just like is it found <laughs> footage because it's literally them finding footage and we do see we do get to watch it for a significant portion of the movie, but like, does it yeah. belong up there with like Blair Witch's found footage? This is also found footage. I, I don't know. I... You're right. I mean, I probably thinking back now with the ring, the found footage aspect of that's only a real, um, real um, short clip of Samara coming out of the well. And I don't know if I'd put that in the found footage oh, umbrella. But I, I, I probably would. I don't know. It's tricky. Because maybe they're both not, but they just do <laughs> pull some of those aspects and do them both better than a lot of found footage movies do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't. I just find that fascinating to think about. Yeah. Um, I, I I I don't know. It's it's like a whole other. I feel like that we need to have like a found footage that's Blair Witch in literal found footage. That is. Yeah, literal <laughs> found footage, just yeah. a new subgenre. Or maybe maybe haunted footage. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe and then that, that host. I don't know where host goes, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh man! But um, I also love how this is an extremely. This is the most subtle demonic movie I think I've seen. I know. Yeah. Which also makes me think. Have you seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose? I have. I actually watched that a while back, and I really, really loved that. Um, so, so, like, as I said at the top of this, you know, Scott Dickerson. Uh, and uh, Cowgill, they co-wrote and uh, Dickerson directed the Exorcism of Emily Rose. And that one, again, is... Oh, okay, that one is a little bit more forward than this movie in the demonic sense. Yeah. But, but there's so much... But it's, there are those subtle tones, right? You, you can see those similarities of, I guess, uh, not do it as... Although it does kind of come up front with a few things, mm-hmm. this one doesn't. It does do it in a more... It is a bit more held back than you'd expect. Again, yeah, he, I guess Dickerson, I guess in, in, when he does his horror movies, a lot of restraint too. And yeah. again, this one's kind of like true crime, mystery thriller, and that one's like a courtroom drama yeah. mixed in as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I really like it. It's a clever style of filmmaking to kind of turn things on its head and just um, to show the audience something they don't expect. Let's move on to the fear analysis of this movie. Let's talk about the types of fear that this movie plays off of or like really kind of like entices in us. Um, I kind of I want to say surface level that there's an awful lot of jump scares in this movie. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And, and I think you said it earlier. I do think, to the movie's credit, most of them are very well crafted and constructed. There's only maybe two or three I have... I roll my eyes at a little bit, but yeah. for the most part, I like and enjoy the jump scares that are in this because I feel like they're so well crafted. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. I mean, I'm, again, I've, I said it, but I'm not usually a fan of it. And a lot of the times it is done badly or just done for a cheap scare. Um, but the, the setup in this one is actually really good and it does it when you least expect it or it, does, it doesn't do it when you would expect it to happen. So it's... I guess there are a few, like, uh, I wasn't a massive fan of the lawnmower one, when um, oh. you see that family dying and it's just a big sudden sound when um, someone gets run over, but... Yeah, that one... Yeah. That, that, did you say you did or didn't like that? I, I, I'm not sure I like that one too much. Oh, really? Just that's all of a that's sudden, surprising uh, to but, me. But did you, did you like that one? I, I, I think that it's... The, the reason why I'm surprised is because that one gets talked about so much in terms of like people's favorite or scariest jump scares is the lawnmower. Oh, you're kidding me. Scene. Really? No, I've seen, I've at least, you know, like on Reddit and message, message boards and things like that. It's, it, it's, I've seen it considered as one of the scariest jump scares 
in a movie. So I find that so fascinating that you're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it might have just been because um, I've seen it before and I did see it coming. And I guess you kind of expect all of these snuff films at a certain point to end badly. So you are kind of, you're waiting for it to happen. So you're not too surprised when it comes. But yeah. what, what did you think of that one in particular? Did you? I, I, I mean, I, I like it. Uh, the, the, the thing, though, is that it does rely super heavily on the the sound effect of the scream, which is from yeah. the music, right? Or, yeah, or, or are we supposed to believe that's like the in-universe person screaming underneath the lawnmower? Yeah, because you're not actually hearing any audio from these tapes. So I, I don't know. It is kind of a bit of both, eh? Maybe oh, yeah. It's... That's what I was wondering. It's like, I don't think that we get audio from Super 8. Like, I don't think he has like a speaker set up in there. Yeah. I, I'm a novice to, to this. So I don't know how the technology <laughs> works. Too. But yeah. that's Before something I was thinking of. It's just like, uh, you know, just how in universe he's actually watching this in dead silence. Yeah, but and, it does kind of trick you. Like the the audio and the music at times, especially when the um, film started playing, I was like, wait, is it? Is this audio we're picking up on? Is this like sound effects? But it's just the audio track and how kind of distorted and modern and unique it is mm-hmm. again, uh, playing with your mind. They also play around with like tricking you to learn to be scared of sounds, like the sound of the projector playing or like the tape when it's yeah. done, just. It, it tricks you to like it or does it trick you it kind of like trains you to be scared of the the sound of that projector going yeah which again it's so funny because it's like a movie making you being scared of movies playing um which yeah. is just fun, fun to think of um so so you said that one didn't work for you were there other were there what's what jump scares would you say worked the best for you um again i wasn't the the one with bagul's face at the end didn't get me i it yeah, the first time I around like. i can't i can't quite remember yeah but i did really like and this might be one that a lot of people don't like but i really enjoyed the part when he's kind of um clipping and taking screenshots of all these of all these reels and there's the one in the background of the family getting hung and you see bagul's face in the bushes and he kind of holds it up outside to where he is and then he pulls it down and Bagul's right there. And I think that was done, again, it's probably loud, but I, I don't know if I expected it this much this time around. I was like, oh, do they show him? Do they not? And it, it did get me. This yes. Time, and I, I really enjoyed it. That, that's one that, that sticks in my brain as well. And it's so good because this movie, I'm not talking about totally, visually is very dark. That was like a complaint yeah. I actually had. I was like, I can't see anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. it, Dickerson has said that was on purpose because he kind of wanted to give this, um, like, dark edges kind of gives you this idea of like infinity like it just goes on forever and just like wow. you, you never know what's lurking in the shadows blah 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 but uh for that you know because when they cut to bagul that's actually in the bushes he is lit up like a christmas tree and it's, yeah. it's just like it just kind of like really blasts your eyes yep uh but yeah yeah i'm, I'm glad you brought that one up because that because that was a jump scare that got me as well um the jump scares with the ghost kids didn't get me as much i don't know the, the ghost kids were kind of i don't know i felt like kind of I, I wasn't a huge fan of the ghost kids running in slow-mo behind him yeah that's probably to be honest it's probably one of my main complaints with the film that's probably the thing i didn't like the most was just the inclusion of the ghost kids i don't know if they, they were trying to scare you with them running behind him and then disappearing or just trying to creep you up but it didn't really do it for me Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was a little bit potentially of special effects used there, um, CGI. I, I, I guess they did slow them down somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't love that part too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to hear the same from you. Yeah, I that was probably this is not a fault of the kid actors. The kid actors yeah, did yeah, what, what totally they were told not. to do, and I. He said that they had a lot of fun. The kids had a lot of fun doing that because they actually filmed that on Halloween night. Oh, that's uh, cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, so I'm sure the kids had a lot of fun with that. But at the same time, yeah, I remember the first time I watched it, that's, this is where I went, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see Bugul, you know, chase him down, you know, not the, yeah. not the kids. So I feel like that this movie, as I kind of talked about, is very unsettling. And uh, there is definitely like kind of like this fear of death. But it's so, like I said, just twisted because like you're – it's not necessarily like, I don't know, like when I watch a horror movie, like a slash or whatever, I kind of put myself in those character shoes. Like, all right, how would I run or evade the, the stalker or whatever? Cause like, you know, I'm scared of being stabbed to death or whatever. But like in this, it's like, 
like I'm being put in the shoes of Ellison and I'm more like fearful for like the families I'm watching on the super eight films. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm more fearful for their deaths than I am of like my own. If that makes sense. Yeah. And is that the, cause you used um, a certain way of, I guess, uh, a certain form of fear analysis. Is that, is that under, was it extinction? What that's usually called? Just yeah. Yeah. yeah and... Extinction. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Fear of death. Yeah. Well, it is like ever since you've started using them and uh, ever since I've started listening to the podcast, it is something I kind of look out for more when watching films. So totally, again, it was the it was the deaths and fear of um, loss of life, especially from the ones that are kind of just bystanders and didn't have anything to do with it, as you said, the rest of the family apart from Alison. Um, but it's also the, uh, I guess, mutilation was also on that, mm-hmm. those five fears. Um, and that's uh, the Super 8 films and just you don't really they're made so you don't expect them to die in the way that they do when it's if it's carefully set up traps them getting pulled into the water or getting run over by a lawnmower or burnt alive or just stabbed it's very like there is that i mean there's a bit of gore there and it is very like grisly dark stuff and yeah that that got to be a bit yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah. the mutilation definitely and i was definitely also getting loss of autonomy um because ellison He's trying to do what's best for his family, kind of. He's really trying to do what's best for his career. Um, and this, the, the character of Bukul and like his, I'm going to call it curse, or like his, you know, how he, you know, yeah. you, you move and that's when he gets you. Um, it's, it, it is kind of like a loss of autonomy because it's like there's nothing you can do to protect your family because if you stay there, you're just going to keep getting, you know, haunted and tormented by, I don't know, the ghost kids there. But if you do move, then you're really done for. So it's just like then he has yeah. yeah. He has yeah, yeah. There's nothing you can really do to help your family. And I love that Vincent D'Onofrio's character doesn't give a solution. There is no, oh, you need to I don't know, appease whatever it is he wants, or you need to mm. fix some sort of burial ground or whatever. It's just like, dude, you're fucking screwed. <laughs> I know. And it is it, again, that is a like surprising ending because uh, a lot of a lot of films, even horror films, have that that uh happy ending when you do kind of uh um exercise the demon or kind mm-hmm. of leave the house and everything is good or get rid of the curse or the artifact and this one is just that that sudden sense of oh man he's he's he's, he's dead he's he's the curse is perfect that's he's done exactly what um Google wanted him to do yeah yeah exactly um and i think the last thing i had on here and this was actually something that i heard from on another podcast, um, at Cadaver Dogs, uh, they're pretty awesome, and they were discussing this movie, and something that I never really thought of, and I thought this was such a cool point that they brought up, was this meta kind of, like, sense of you know, career one-hit one hit wonders. Uh, you know, Ellison is a writer who, he had 15 minutes of fame, and now he's trying yeah. to desperately recapture that, and that's, like, something like movie directors would be fearful of is, is them only having one successful movie and them trying to recapture that. And that's kind of like yeah. this, that kind of possibly like energized the, the, the filmmakers and the crew of this movie, which mm-hmm. I, I'm just, and again, I give them credit for uh, coming up with that, uh, that idea. But I, I think that's such a fascinating way to watch this movie with that lens. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, I've, I mean, I'm, I, I, for a while, thought about doing film school and, like, I, I try my hand at writing every now and again. So it is kind of like, it did kind of even speak to me of it. It's like, oh, well, you know, it is something that happens. And it is mm-hmm. a pretty scary thought. Was there a Super 8 film that, like, you particularly, fo- like, like? I don't, I don't want to say like, because that might sound messed up. But, like, <laughs> yeah, do, do, yeah, you really love it, <laughs> do, do you have a favorite um, Super 8 film from this? And favorite can mean anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, um the one that I felt I guess the most scary or the one that I thought was cleverly done was the pool party one. Same. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Just, just the fact of like them being tied to chairs at the start and you're not sure what's going to happen. Then you see the pool, then you see the rope tied to them and then one by one, they're kind of dragged in. Then you see, but ghoul as well. Like it's, it's a pretty, it's, it's probably my favorite of a lot. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. I'm same, same page as you. The pool party one yeah. was the one that got me. The, the most and i think one of the best scares of the of the movie isn't necessarily even a jump scare it's it's what yeah. you said bugul at the bottom of the pool he does that very slow sinister like a uh, turn to the camera 
And and you never see it again because it's burnt up. It's like that <sighs> that moment's kind of captured in your brain, right? Or it just yeah, stays there. Absolutely. It it literally causes the the, the Super 8 footage to burst into flames, <laughs> which is I don't know. I, I kind of find that it's like a, yeah, this is like a really hot part of the movie like this is good yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah that was i had that as one of my favorite scares what was him in the pool turning which again the, the oh, nicholas awesome. king yeah. was actually down there with cinder blocks at the bottom of the pool with cinder blocks that's that's crazy um it's god it was so good i think one of the, I, I had like a couple other nominees for best scare let me know some of like the stuff you thought were like some of the best scares from this movie um um it was very much like I mentioned before, like the the, the photo and you see Bagul in the background. But again, I'm I'm with you there that that just the moments where you see Bagul when you're not expecting it, even though it doesn't have that very very menacing, I guess, sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does scare. And there's I completely agree. Those are the two that like really pop up to me. Besides the lawnmower one, the lawnmower one does yeah. I think is one of the best scares of this movie. So I'm not really sure what mm-hmm. to say is the best, but the pool one I think is my favorite. But I do want to bring up one more nominee that I particularly like, yeah. and it's after he's he has seen like the ghost kids in the attic, and he's just like, "Fuck this, we're done," you know. Yeah. And he goes outside and he burns everything, and the music is really like speeding up in pace. And his wife comes out, um, and she's like, you know, like what's going on? He just says, "Get the kids." pack the car yeah. we're leaving and it's just like yeah. we're, we're, we're not leaving in the morning we're leaving now and he like doesn't explain anything and like i don't know i'm like getting chills right now thinking about it because that is it's rarely do we really get to see that part it, that point that breaking point in a movie for mm-hmm. like the haunted house family we're like okay let's go let's get out because it's normally like because so, like sometimes there's like a cut scene like halfway through the movie like they're out of the house and they get like the exorcism to happen and the yeah. exorcist comes blah 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 but this is like the breaking point in the movie we get to see where his boundary is and he's just like mm-hmm. fuck this and the whole time besides just like because i'm like scared for him i'm now seeing how seriously he's taking it yeah i'm also going how much is that going to piss off a ghoul that you just burned all that you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's funny that like you mentioned that, and we mentioned the pool is like some of the the best scares in the film. When and this is the film known for jump scares when they're two just very very well made moments of terror, right? Like they're just it's all atmosphere, everything kind of atmosphere. That's it. Like it all comes together perfectly. Did you find any sort of kind of like message or kind of like lesson, whatever, from from this movie? Well, you you do it so well at times. I, I didn't. I don't know if I'd be able to stand up to yours, but I I did like. It is a very interesting tale of kind of going for fame and fortune and leaving everything that truly matters behind. Like he mm-hmm. he kind of his family, all their um. You hear about his son's problems at school, um. Them not really loving moving into this new neighborhood, and he doesn't really pay it sick in mind. Like it's all it's all there. He doesn't really talk into it. He doesn't try and really help out. It's always just just comes back to. He needs to do his work. He needs to. This this what this might get them more money again. This might get people to know about him again. This will be better than his last book was. And even when they do move at the end, he's still he's still when he gets a call from um, Vincent D'Onofrio's character and learns this more information. He then does go back. He makes these tapes back. He finds the extra tapes, and he he does just. It was just kind of this interesting tale of um, maybe I, I don't know. You got to realize what the true value is. What really matters. Um, yeah, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like you know, you know, uh, putting family first kind of thing, uh, and that's how you describe that. I think is I don't think I could say it any better than that. I love that <laughs> it, like, the examples you gave. You know, like they're obviously having some like marriage issues. Um, they don't want to be moving to this house, and his son is like acting weird at school. But I yeah. love that, like you know, we're stuck with Ellison the whole time, and that we learn about the outside world through just exposition that he has with other characters. Like, yeah. I'm, I really love that we don't have that scene of his son at school acting out or whatever. I yeah. love that we kind of just learn about it through passively through the, the fight that him and his wife have and everything. And I, I don't know why I love that so much because it's just like we're just seeing this universe through the lens of Ellison. And mm. it's funny because it's like, if these horrific things that he was discovering wasn't happening, he would still be 
so buried in his work that like if stuff like this did happen we would still get that lens of like he's still way way more concerned about his work he's not he's not now concerned about how this is affecting his kids you know um yeah yeah so it's definitely this it's definitely a message about boundaries and you know knowing when to not cross a line um absolutely yeah So we are now getting to what is a very fun segment of the show, which is the cabin in the woods trinket. Um, I feel like that there's a very obvious one <laughs> to this movie, but what sort yeah. of movie props or items would you put in the in the basement of the cabin in the woods to summon Bagul to come get you? Well, I'm probably on the same page as you. Like the the box of super eight reels yeah. that keeps popping up again and again when you think you got rid of it. Like classic. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I mean, this movie kind of already comes preloaded with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say the 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 cardigan sweater that Ellison is wearing the entire movie. I know. I loved it as well. Like it's very great character design. Yeah. So, uh, so I was just like, all right, let's, maybe that's a sweater. Could be it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I also want to say that this movie is also kind of like, like structurally what the cabin in the woods would want to do, you know, like instead of the basement, it's an attic that you find something and you go against what the harbinger told you to do and you don't move and you watch and everything. So I was with that framework of the outline of the show in my head, I was like, Oh, this cabin in the woods was just like, yeah, they, they, they could plan out every horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Jasher, for coming on the show today to talk about Sinister. Um, I've been dying to talk about this movie, so it was great to talk about it with another horror, horror movie fan. Uh, thank you so much. No, it was awesome to be here. I, I think I did um, actually enjoy enjoy it more the second time around rewatching it for the show, and I am I think I am a big fan of the movie. I don't know if I'm watching up the second one, because I've heard um, very bad things. Have you seen Sinister I've s- I've passive I've passively seen it if that, if that makes sense like I've yeah. seen I've watched like review videos of it yeah that's that's interesting I I, I might check it out just out of curiosity someday <laughs> we'll see uh, but no thank, thanks so much for having me on it was yeah, awesome to yeah, talk about yeah, this thank film. you so much uh, is there anywhere that you like people to find you like on Instagram or Twitter or anything yeah again um, Podzilla you can find us um, at Podzilla Pod on all um, social media wherever you can find podcasts and yeah we, we do we talk about it's a different kind of type of horror um, more like kaiju horror but we do we're going through each of the Godzilla movies and other Toho productions one by one hopefully we'll get you Brucker on the show at yes. some point soon to talk about something that'll be really fun um, and to. my other podcast yeah I, I can't wait and, and my other podcast Collectania of Everything um, we, we just talk about everything me and my friend Hamish same thing you can find us Collectania Pod on socials you can find our podcast anywhere and we did a few um, we've done a few uh, horror centric episodes we talked about The Thing and The Shining um, but yeah great movies a bit of a mixed bag <laughs> yeah I know two of my favourites awesome um, but thank you so much for having me on once again this was an absolute blast yeah thank you so much Jasher um, I, while I'm saying thank you I want to say thank you to Shelly who is a really awesome supporter on buymeacoffee.com uh, please everybody be sure to follow both Jasher and I on our social medias follow me on Instagram at Brucker Horror, and I will see you next time with I don't know if I'm going to say it yet because I don't have my schedule made but I'll see you next week with, with <laughs> another episode thank you again Jasher this was a lot of fun no thank you